0: To be a manager in the industry, I believe that you are an advocate for your artists. You are uh, kind of taking responsibility for helping them guide their career, helping them have uh, someone to talk to, make some guided decisions, uh, help alleviate some of the stress of having to think about business when their business began because they were creating art.
1: (laughs)
2: Welcome to Off Key, a member on Labs podcast about music professionals for non music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. Join me, an industry novice, in conversations with members of Canada's music industry to learn more about their roles and how they first got started in the music business.
1: be friends and broke that they are smoky cigarettes The candlelight is burning like the sun that's rising in the
2: west. This week on offkey I'm talking to Colin McTaggart, a manager with the Victoria-based artist music management company and record label Amelia Artists. Funny enough, when we first met Colin, it was pretty random because it was when he was visiting the currency exchange in our building, and he was kind enough to stop by the studio this week to talk about his career in the music industry and what it's like working as an artist manager. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really do help. And let's get right into our conversation.
0: grew up in victoria okay i'm born and raised in victoria bc my mom was born here and uh my her parents were born here and my dad came out here when he was 18 he hitchhiked from ontario and i don't know my mom at that point but he came out here to be in the navy and then i think he met my mom when when they were 25 or something but that's that connection there but yeah victoria born and raised
2: he hitchhiked here
0: (laughs) That's the story. I'm not too sure if that's true, but (laughs) you know, it sounds romantic, hitchhiking from on small town, Ontario to the West Coast and finding yourself. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Um, Were you, like, was your family into music? Were you from a musical family or is that something that you kind of got into later in life?
0: Music was always in our home. My mom loved music. Uh, My parents split up when I was quite young and my mom found a lot of solace in music and kind of had a lot of love and passion for it, but she never played anything herself but she had a lot of love for the greats like joe cocker and the beatles and even like emmy lou harris and lyle lovett and a lot of great different types of music in our home and then she got remarried when i was when i was 15 uh to a great guy that uh who not only loved music but played music so we had a lot more music in the house that way too and so music's been a big part of my life mainly because i started playing music when i was 12 years old I always had a love of music, and then I started playing guitar. Um, I had an awesome neighbor. His name was Ross, and he taught me guitar, and that kind of was my introduction to this world.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. What kind of music were you listening to during this time?
0: Uh, it's funny. Someone asked me this recently, and I was like, well, I kind of went from MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice, like right down this road of like, I REM and U2 became really big in the 90s, and I was 10 or 11 at the time and really really got into rem and u2 quite quite heavily and uh yeah they were a big influence on me and then i kind of went down this road of smashing pumpkins and grunge and nirvana and pearl jam and i really loved it all and i really loved music coming out of england massive attack suede blur they were all big influences on me tricky i loved kind of the hip-hop that was coming out of out of england but i didn't really like hip-hop at that time in my life it wasn't until i was 20 that i started to have a have a love of hip-hop I think it was because I used to get beat up by kids that liked rap music in school, so.
2: What? school were you going to?
0: Reynolds High School.
2: Oh, man, Reynolds. Hardcore.
0: Yeah, hardcore school. I can't speak for now. That was a long time ago.
2: Yeah. That's funny. Um, REMs that song losing my religion is like one of my favorite youtube video like music videos to exist well see i would have been watching i don't i don't know how
0: old you are but i would have been watching that on much music and i remember that video quite vividly and i also remember going to a and b sound which was like the big record store in western Mm -hmm. canada and uh, seeing the cover of that Uktung Baby and was like, oh, this looks like a cool record. I'm going to buy this record just based on the cover alone. And uh, that kind of uh, sent me down a path what? of a lifelong love of you 2
2: What building... I was thinking about A&B Sound the other day because I have, like, I can't actually... I don't know how to explain this, but I have such vivid memories of being there as a small child with my dad, but I can't yeah. actually. Where was it in Victoria? I can it, never place it. It's actually it.
0: literally next door to my office on Yates Street. It's where Giant Bicycles is oh, now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Victoria's that's what I Best call. Bike Shop. <laughs> I'm not paid to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's where it is. It's that big brick building okay. on Yates Street where there's a lot of tech companies up there now.
2: Yeah. I was trying to remember because I have such a strong memory of just being in there and like using the. um. Like the quarter, like M M&M and M machines, oh, yeah. and that's all I can remember. <laughs> but it's so strong. Like I feel like there was so much time spent there.
0: I definitely spent a lot of Boxing Day's in line with like for me, uh, Christmas was always like how many A and B sound gift certificates could I get, mm-hmm. and how how many CDs could I buy, <laughs> with that money, <laughs> and uh, waiting in line to get the best deal. So yeah,
2: things are pretty different now. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you? after kind of playing music and being pretty into music growing up did you know that you wanted to get into the industry or is this something that happened like later in life
0: when I was in high school I put on a lot of concerts for the bands I was in or for shows I had a a good connection to the Oak Bay Rec Center and they let me use their teen room for uh, putting on free shows there were some great bands in town Hudson Mac Buckshot All Stars AK-47 Uh, Yeah, some really great bands kicking around that I used to help put on shows for And it was a lot of fun. I really wanted to be in a band I was in a band and wanted to be a musician but when I was 18, I took a job with Longwood Quaid Music and uh, I worked for them for actually 13 years. And so my focus was playing music and But also like managing a big store for the last six years I was there as the assistant manager and That's kind of where I kind of learned my love of business and kind of numbers, and uh, being around the gear of music. I, I love guitars. I love pianos. I love keyboards, drums, and stuff like that. But it wasn't until my uh, friend Piers, who's now my boss, kind of pulled me aside and said, "You know, whenever you're playing in bands, you're always the like, you're always leading the charge. You're always like giving the big pitch. You're always making things happen for your bands. Have you ever thought about being a manager?" And I was like, hmm, "I hadn't really thought about that, but over." I would say over a couple of years of just some like on-and-off conversations. Uh, there was a pivotal moment in my life where my mom passed away and uh, at a young age, at 59, and I kind of said to myself, like, you know, I want to take some risks. And so I re-entered those conversations with peers, and now I've been working with this uh, great company called Amelia Artists, who's a Victoria-based management company, and I've been with them for seven years now, and it's been a, it's been a really great ride.
2: Did you know peers through just like Victoria's music? Community
1: or
0: Yeah, anything? I knew Piers from when he played in the Special Guests and then Jets Overhead. Oh, okay. And then him and Nick Blasco, his business partner, have been on been in Victoria for eighteen years now managing uh bands. Their biggest success to date has been Tegan and Sarah. Okay. They've cool. worked with. And so they asked me to come on to kind of build up like the next generation of artists. So together we've been uh building up some great clients together.
2: Can you tell me a little bit more about Amelia Artists and what the company, I guess, like, is? You've alluded to this a little bit and, like, does, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Amelia Artists is, like, a boutique management company in the finest sense. Like, we have uh, a few clients that we pour our heart and soul into. And uh, for the start of the company, it was Nick and Piers managing Tegan and Sarah. And then uh, we have a colleague named Kim, who's been a big part of their career as well. Uh, working behind the scenes. And then, uh, yeah, there's been people that's come and gone. There's been some artists that have come and gone. When I first started working with them, I, I did day to day for a great Canadian hip hop artist named Buck65. And then I also worked with another group called Flash Lightning And then we had another group called the Golden Youth. And all those bands have kind of taken different paths or paused on their careers and stuff. But yeah, we've now since continued on. Over the last few years, uh, clients that I've been working directly with include The Funk Hunters, a great DJ group from Vancouver, producing awesome electronic music, uh, Luca Fagali, a beautiful singer-songwriter, Fintan O'Brien, another songwriter from Victoria, who's doing really forward-thinking pop music, who performs under the name Fintan. And then uh, last year, we started working with Andrea Graham, aka The Librarian, a DJ, producer, and curator from Squamish, B.C., most known for being the co-founder of Base Coast, a killer electronic festival that happens in Merritt, BC every year. It's uh, world-renowned.
2: How was it making that shift from working in the retail space at Long and McQuaid to then, did you go straight into managing at Amelia Artists, or were you working in a different role?
0: Yeah, I went straight into kind of learning learning on the job at Amelia Artists. Like, definitely retail music is de- is way different than mm-hmm. than managing an artist, but it's it's not so different than kind of being like the brains of your band, but you know you get to think a lot bigger when you're in that capacity. Um, I'm not sure it they're not the best to compare to. Like they're definitely they're definitely different jobs, and there's definitely things I learned on the job at Quaid that were very helpful. But being in a manager is such a different job for, of an artist than say a store per se.
2: That path is pretty interesting because I know. Like, for me, what, like I'm really interested in working in, like, fashion and fashion sustainability and climbing that ladder through retail is pretty normal. Okay. Um, But I haven't heard of anyone doing that in the music industry before. I don't think that's something that people maybe think of right away when they think about working in the music industry as, like, working in, like, a shop and then getting opportunities that way. So it's well,
0: pretty cool. Well, definitely the tools that we're using right now were purchased in a music shop. Yeah. And that's what I have had a had a deep passion for for a long time like I loved guitars I loved the the tools of music the sounds they could make how people could use them and and then so I would say I've been able to uh use that with in my management side because obviously the musicians I'm working with are still using those tools and and having a deep understanding of that is helpful I don't think working in a music shop would necessarily make you a better manager though yeah per no. say, <laughs> but I think it would it would teach you how to herd cats which is like being a manager just kidding <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I was gonna ask did yeah. you find like are there compare I mean I'm sure there's some comparisons but yeah it, it's pretty different managing a team of like salespeople yeah and...
0: there's definitely skills that you bring forward from both like management is management but it's all relational it's all who you know but in the in the music management sphere it's it's about building relationships with people that you both mutually can further each other's careers. So working with labels or publicists, publishers, other people that can benefit your artist's career, but also help them, you know, make money at their job too. What
2: is kind of like, what is the role of a manager in the industry? I've talked to a couple and everyone's is very different. (laughs) Um, So for you specifically, what is, what does managing kind of look like?
0: To be a manager in the industry i believe that you are an advocate for your artists you are uh, kind of taking responsibility for helping them guide their career helping them have uh, someone to talk to make some guided decisions uh, help alleviate some of the stress of having to think about business when their business began because they were creating art and there comes a point with any musician where The business supersedes the art and they need to get back into being an artist And so that's when I think is a great time for a manager to come in And and be a part of the team.
2: So say An artist kind of has hit that point where it's time for them or they're yeah They are taking on too much of the business side and they need to kind of you know Add to their team a little bit What kind of happens next if an artist starts working with you? Like how does that relationship start? I guess
0: yeah, I think, you know, the easy way is usually if an artist gets to a point where they are making a name for themselves, there's a bit of buzz building around them. That is the time when a manager might actually come to you and say, hey, I've, I see what great work you're doing. I see you have some early successes on your own. Uh, and you might talk to them. You might also become aware of other artists because of uh, another manager or another person in the industry saying, hey, have you heard of these guys? I think they're doing great stuff. Over here, uh, typically I get I get a few cold calls a week from different artists looking for management, and I and I love it because I get to hear new things and see what's going on. But traditionally, I would say that doesn't really, that would never be the start of a management relationship for me. It would be uh, maybe through hearing about them through a trusted colleague or just keeping my ear to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: have you have you like taken on? A client from any cold like emails or cold calls before
0: we've definitely have a client that we take what we took on because of a recommendation of a of, of a trusted colleague or a friend but uh no i would say that like if you're an artist right now that right now thinking of emailing cold emailing managers or hitting them up on instagram you're not going to probably have the best rate of success uh i do think there's a threshold of like when you do need a manager and I, I'm not going to place, like, a number monetarily, like, and have it out there. But, you know, if, if you're making... A manager makes their money on commission, like, commissioning their artists. And it could be whatever percentage is set and agreed on. But there, if a manager's going to be putting a lot of their time in, there has to be, like, an equal reward on the other side or a future reward. Uh, I think that if a band is doing well live, like, they're selling, you know, they're selling out multiple venues in different cities around Canada or the united states or they're doing well on spotify those are good indicators of like things to come Uh, i've taken on artists because of great music though so like if and that can always bump you to the top of the list like wow holy crap this is great music we need to work with this person i know we could find a home for it but majority times it's because of pre-existing business that they've helped build and you think you can take it even further
2: what does a typical day look like for you it sounds hectic every time i've emailed you or talked to you it's like "Oh, sorry i'm going to new york or i'm like i'm in coachella for this or
0: well i yeah it i will say it's it's rewarding work and i love it and it's fun but yeah you don't really turn off when you're a manager like your clients are your priority and i would say you know i i love working in an office atmosphere so i make sure i'm in the office whenever i can be uh it's it's not as sexy as like my family thinks it is (laughs) You know, I still work at a desk, and I still look at a computer, and I answer phone calls and, you know, try and, like, you know, make connections through email or telephone. Uh, I believe in, like, in a lot of in-person meetings, you know, the best relationships are built in person. Uh, so that's why I do travel a lot to, uh, to get outside of Victoria. Victoria has a great music scene, but it's not known internationally as a music city. We don't have a, a big industry here. So it is important for us to be going to like L.A. or New York or Toronto quite frequently, Uh, London, uh, all great cities that we need to be in and like, you know, selling our artists to the people out there. Uh, Typical day, you ask uh, in the office by 10 a.m., out the door by six or seven, still on email or phone before and afterwards. You know, we're working with different time zones. Uh, right now, I'm working with a video editor who lives in Dublin, so I'm kind of working on his time zone as well. Uh, when I was in London, I'd have to be working two time zones because I'd be working the London time zone and working with my colleagues in North America. Uh, but I love it. I kind of I don't I kind of bore of like the standard day of like nine to five. Here's your break at noon. I kind of like the excitement of you know things come up and you got to put out a fire or you got to turn on a dime. Uh, yeah, I it, guess it's just me. It's a person. My wife, on the other hand, she likes, you know, she's got a great job. She works at the hospital. She likes the nine to five aspect and loves knowing when her schedule is always going to be. And uh, anyway, I, I just say that because some people have their way. They they like their day set out. And I kind of like the changing atmosphere that I get in this career.
2: Do you find it difficult or do you even think that this exists? Um, but finding a "Quote unquote work-life balance."
0: Uh, I would say personally, for me, it, it is difficult because of uh, just how much love I have for my clients and how I want to see them succeed. I do, I do think it's important to put barriers in place. Maybe "barriers" the wrong word, but like allow yourself time to uh, to relax and you know get off the phone, get off the computer burn your eyes out with that. It, it can be, it can easily take your whole day, but, you know, you do have to nurture those personal relationships you have in your life, friends, family, uh, the things you're passionate about. You know, you commented, you love how nice my bike is. Well, I have two nice bikes. And <laughs> one of the things I do is cycle to kind of be able to get off the computer, off the phone and mentally reset. It's been actually a really powerful thing for me. Just, to, you can't text when you're, when you're riding to, a road bike. <laughs> yeah. Although
2: I've seen a lot of people try. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and they've crashed, so yeah.
2: Can't remember what I saw recently. It was like oh, it was this old photo of this like guy in Paris and okay. he's like biking and like smoking a cigarette. <laughs> it was it was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it.
2: Um, having worked with kind of artists, I guess, at different stages in their career. Yep. What have been kind of some of the similarities and differences, I guess, of working with an artist that's maybe just starting out and someone that's more established?
0: Well, you're always trying to grow your artist, no matter where they are at in their career. And if it's selling 50 tickets at a show, if it's selling a thousand tickets at a show, it's all the same. It's about getting people out. If it's about streaming numbers, it's about getting the right people on board for your music. Uh, I would say the numbers get bigger, but the but the exercises still stay the the same, and it's just about it's about managing uh, where your artist is at in their career at that time, and like and having those little victories that turn into big victories. Uh, I remember the first time we sold out the Commodore Ballroom with the Funk Hunters; like that was an amazing feat. Now we can do two nights there. Uh, Luca Fagali, who we work with, we just sold out a show in New York, and that's a great thing to say. It was sixty tickets, but that was his first time in New York, and that's that's a victory for him. And so it's about it's about those victories, and wherever the artist is at in their career, if it's a million streams or ten million streams, uh, if it's getting to play different countries or visit, uh, you know, other parts of the world, they're all victories, and it's about bringing those to the table for your artist.
2: I don't know how much you can get into this without like divulging trade secrets, I guess. Um, But you're saying with Luca Fogale's first show in New York, you sold it out. Kind of what are like the strategies that you take to make that even happen if he hasn't played there before and maybe doesn't have like a lot of notoriety in that city?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Luca, as an example, has had uh, some uh, early success on Spotify And that was kind of fueled by his first record that he self-released. And it did quite well on on playlisting. But then we also had another song called I Don't Want to Lose You that did well on American television. Uh, It was featured on Grey's Anatomy and Station 19. And the biggest one uh, for just impact was the show called NCIS LA on CBS. And uh, those shows have kind of helped build his name in the market. Uh, Luca also just did a tour with Dermot Kennedy, which kind of elevated his name across North America. And then lastly, uh, we just did some really good advertising, digital marketing to kind of let get the word out that Luca was in New York. You know, there's millions of people in New York, so uh, getting 60 people out, out of millions of people shouldn't be a hard feat. But, you know, there's always things like, oh, it's a Tuesday night. Oh, it's the summer. And stuff, But we were pretty proud that we sold those tickets out before the doors opened and the room was very full. And the great thing was, is that like the people there knew the songs. They were singing along. They were making requests. It's not uncommon for people to be crying at Luca Fagalli shows and they were crying. <laughs> so oh, wow. uh, it was a beautiful moment. And I, I was very proud as a manager to, to see that happen. You know, I could just even think of the Funk Hunters when we did our first like kind of big U.S. tour with them. They toured the U.S. for years, but we did, like, a routed tour that took them on the road for two and a half weeks through a lot of states in America, including a big sold-out show in Denver that did 1,100 tickets. And, you know, those are, that's a sold-out show as well. And the big victory there was just, like, getting the word out, working with trusted promoters, but also not just, you've also got to put the work in as a manager, as an artist, to promote yourself. And, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, how, democratize facebook advertising is in google advertising and how you can kind of take it into your own hands and i'd say that's been a part of the successes of my developing clients is is harnessing the power of those ad channels Mm
2: -hmm. like just social media in general i guess social
0: media but just even just the pure advertising in the back end like not just like oh posting regular on social media or like things like that i mean like true ads that target people and target Mm -hmm. uh what they like what they love uh, what cities they're in uh like going deep in the in the, I call it hyper targeting.
2: <laughs> yeah. Is that something that you do as I have a manager? passion for it as I
0: become more entrenched as a manager I prefer to let other people do it but I I definitely believe that it's 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 a skill worth knowing mm-hmm. because you could be paying someone else to do it and not knowing what they're doing and they could be feeding you a, a line of BS about how to target people and what they're doing and so on it's it's the wild west right now and yeah you know i i did have a situation once where i did hire someone else to do it and then i went into the back end and saw their targeting and i was glad i had a better understanding of it because i had to get them to re do all the targeting oh, so man. it better suited our artists yeah
1: yeah
2: that's annoying it's always good yeah to like <laughs> what is it they're always saying it's like don't like try to like in business school, this is a big one we go yeah. over. Is it's like finding the right team, obviously, but also knowing enough about everything that's going on to be able to actually like oversee the team. Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, yeah. no, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: but also knowing when to take your hands off, which is something I have a hard time <laughs> with. But that's fine. Amen. What are kind of some of the biggest challenges with working as a manager in the industry? I know we've talked on like work life balance as maybe one. Um, And I guess even further, like, what are some of the challenges with being in a city like Victoria? It sounds like a lot of your clients are international based.
0: I work with all Canadian artists right now, but they are not based in Victoria. And, uh, you know, I love Victoria. As I said, I was born and raised here. When I was 18, I just couldn't wait to move out of this town. But I'm glad I didn't leave. It's Uh, It's such a great city to live in and be in and just the the beauty of it all and it's quite inspiring and the people and everything it's it's not the town of uh, uh, newlyweds and nearly deads that it (laughs) it was back in the 80s and 90s Uh, But yeah, we are not in toronto like you know or in london as an example. I went to london in may and You know, I took five meetings in two days like very impactful meetings that I you know and being face-to-face and looking eye-to-eye I think was very important for those meetings and it's just not something that I could do in Victoria like those same businesses aren't here Uh, but I will say that I think all of us in our office agree that being in Victoria has kind of helped ground us as managers like we don't we don't we haven't drank the Kool-Aid we haven't uh, like bought into the whole like hype of of the industry in that regard and it it kind of like i think that's what our clients are attracted to is that we're not uh yeah no offense to toronto la new york (laughs) london but it just gives us a different it our values are a little different and it puts us in a different place Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i definitely noticed that in again just like going back to like having experience working in the fashion industry like every company i've worked for here that is larger and you get people you know from like an office or even like a vancouver shop trying to come in and like train there, say like selling techniques and things like that it just doesn't work here like yeah. it's the ethos of the island is so different it is yeah. and it's hard to pinpoint because it's also really similar like it's not like we're like super big like weirdos or anything but you know <laughs> well, it, it is, is I,
0: it is island time it yeah is island life. it's yeah
2: so true
0: you know we didn't get our first starbucks here until 94 so oh wow <laughs>
2: good for victoria <laughs> What has been kind of a highlight in your career or a moment with an artist that, I mean, I'm sure there are many, but that you felt like truly, truly proud of that you're like, I helped make that happen?
0: Uh, I think with with the Funk Hunters, it would be seeing them release their first record. They came from a really robust touring career, DJs that like played many international festivals, some great big looks. They did some great remixes that they couldn't release legally just because they were kind of underground tapes. They did some remixes for other artists, but they hadn't released a catalog of their own stuff. And so our office helped them get to the point where they could release this record called Typecast in 2018. It was kind of the first definitive statement of their musical career. And it was a decade in the making. And you might be like, whoa, a decade, 10 years to write a record. But they had a pretty strong career without it. But it was really great to see them be able to bring their vision to life, like their musical vision to life. So that was one. I would also say, yeah, Luca Fagali playing at Brixton Academy. While it wasn't his show, he was opening up for Dermot, and you know, seeing him play for five thousand people, that was that was pretty inspiring. And to be a part of that story is pretty incredible. It's you know, it's moments like that that make it uh, that make it all worthwhile.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. Do you? have any advice for artists aside from not cold email maybe um (laughs) that are in the process of kind of looking for a manager or maybe like more general advice for how to have a successful artist manager relationship as well
0: i want to clarify that i'm not against cold emails like i think i think cold emails are fine but i think going in for the hard sell on your cold email uh is is not the best approach i think that uh, what I love in Victoria is when artists uh, we have an open door policy uh, Peers from our office has this. If anybody wants a moment of his time, he'll, he'll give it to them and've I've really adopted that as well in my own career. I love it. I love having musicians come in and like giving them 20 minutes, half an hour, you know offering advice or helping them work through ideas and stuff. Uh, I think it is important for you as an artist to, make connections early on in your career make friends with people i think your biggest goal is to make friends and so if you're not friends with these managers first i think you should become friends with them first and not go in for the hard sell right away uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be showing people your music or telling them about your successes but i i strongly believe that in building relationships first before those before those questions are asked i love going to different cities and just emailing people that maybe a friend knows or having a colleague email for me and just saying, hey, my so-and-so is coming to is coming to Toronto. He'd love to talk to you. Just kind of learn a bit more about this. That's a great way to learn about things. Uh, it always surprises me how many musicians in Victoria that I do know that don't ask me or any of my colleagues in the office about who they can connect with in Toronto or New York or LA before they go. And I say this on here and I'll like, you know send me an email give me a phone call everyone knows my email or number uh, colin mctaggart at ameliaartist.com <laughs> <laughs> colin. McTaggart. uh send an email yeah it's that's the best way to do it
2: um yeah i think that's really interesting the point that you make about like yeah not going in for the hard sell because when you're just looking for information like everyone is happy to chat i found like even yeah. like with, like my own career but i like the second it's like anything more than that. I feel like people's walls immediately go up and they're just like, "Ah, what do you want? But if it's just like, <laughs> you know, I just like would love to like, yeah, like learn about your career or anything like that. A lot of people are very, I think, yeah, receptive to just chatting. It's,
0: it's natural in any industry that people want to help their friends. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would say don't be, be natural about it. Like if you are a friendly person or able to make connections that way, take advantage of that. I... I feel like I am, and I do take advantage of that, and I think it's been helpful for my career.
2: What are some of the projects that you or like any of your artists have coming up later this year?
0: We're working with the librarian. Uh, we've been working with her for the last year to help her uh, in her build her career as a DJ, but also side-by-side side in, in the music side of things. She's been so focused on the festival that she kind of had to put on the back burner her music, but now we're able to work with her and uh, we have a new single that just came out July 5th. We're, I'm really excited about that. Uh, Luca Vigali is releasing a new single July 12th. Sorry, should I be talking the future of the past? Oh,
2: uh... oh yeah, July 12th. Uh, that's, that's, that's close okay, enough, people, that's people. can go <laughs> yeah.
0: listen to that. It's out now. Uh, Funk Hunters are in the studio right now making new music for the fall. So, again, really excited about that. I'm really excited about everything. Like, so excited. So excited. <laughs> <laughs> we, as a management team, also built a side label to... Uh, oh to kind of help our clients uh, reach their goals of putting music out. And we felt like as managers, a big part about being a manager is helping your artists release music when they don't have a label. So we thought, why don't we just all do it together? So uh, yeah, Librarian and Luca Figali are both releasing music through that. We have another singer, Finton, as I mentioned earlier, who is writing great pop music, like really intelligent pop music with a nice sound. That uh, everyone seems to love, uh, us included. And uh, he has new music that's being recorded right now for a fall release too.
2: Cool.
1: Yeah.
2: I think um you, who does like Finton's production. Yeah, you Yeah, he worked yeah. with one of our like first guests, um my friend Quinn. Baines. Quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, we love quarterback. Yeah, he was. This, he was like one of the guinea pigs for the podcast to <laughs> okay. get on the second <laughs> episode. Yeah. He's the best. Nice where can people find you? You said your email, if you want to maybe repeat it one more time, just in case. Yep.
0: Colin, C-O-L-I-N dot McTaggart, M-C-T-A-G-G-A-R-T at AmeliaArtists.com. And you can see us at AmeliaArtists.com as well. We don't have a huge social presence. We're kind of managers that believe in taking kind of more of a backseat approach and not being forward-facing. We just kind of want to help our artists build their careers up and not take the spotlight, so... Yeah.
2: Cool. Thank you so much.
0: Hey, thank you. It's been great.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And thanks again, Colin, for coming onto the podcast. I've also linked to the show notes for the episode in the description, so make sure you check those out for any photos, links, and other media on the topics that we discussed during our conversation, as well as links to find music from Colin's artists. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe to Offkey on your favourite podcasting platform and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, they really do help. And of course, if you have any topics that you'd like me to bring up with one of our next guests, you can either email me at offkey at or send me a message at either Membrand Labs or Lisa Arnold on Instagram. Off-key and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membran Entertainment Canada, a.k.a. Membran Labs, a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We are also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membran Labs, you can find out more information on our website, www.membranlabs.com. During the episode's introduction, you heard Finton's Light Personified, and throughout the outro, you've been listening to Invisible by The Librarian. That's it for today. I will see you next Monday, where I'll be chatting with Kate Waddy of Tonic Records, and I'll play you out now with Luca Fogale's Half Saved. Thanks!
1: Your voice is ringing in my ears ever clear. Middle of the road, unrequited, uncontrolled. Cards still in heavy headed swing. Swallowed mm-hmm. while the heavens sing. To be goddamn, but never feel a thing. Still means something but it's in a form I can't explain To have half gone or half stayed Maybe I'd never really found or really lost my way I held close the hands I used to know Suspended in the altar's glow Mm -hmm. Dissolving harmony and grace Hidden in that stranger's face Mm -hmm. But still I can't escape the sounds That keep me held down to the ground the voices have all become too loud. No, no To be half loved, I have saved. Still means something, but it's in a form I can't explain. To have gone, I have stayed. Maybe I'd never really found Or really lost my way To be half loved Or half saved Still means something about it In a form I can't explain To have gone Or have stayed Maybe I'd never really found my way to be half loved or half saved still means something but it's in a form I can't explain to have gone or have stayed maybe I'd never really found or really lost my